like the rest of you, we're trying to make sense of this crazy thing that we call life. I'm RJ. I'm Unique. And welcome to Try Not to Overthink It. Every day we find ourselves discussing many different topics, ranging from trending news to the state of our society as a whole. You name it, we've probably talked about it. And after many heated debates, we've decided to expand and share our conversations with you and give them to you from a therapist standpoint, as well as a social worker's point of view, and hopefully get your input. If this is your first time here, we'd like to thank you for checking us out. And we hope that you'll stay and become part of the tribe and participate in the conversations with us. So today we have a, we have a guest. So this guest is a very important person to me. Um, she is a former coworker and actually was very instrumental in me getting my license and becoming an LPC. Um, Ms. Cherie Heron, she is a mental health professional with over 12 years of post-master's experience working with adults and children in various settings. She is currently a, a licensed professional counselor and is the lead mental health counselor at Thrive Alabama and also provides individual and group mental health counseling in her own personal practice. Um, she has been practicing since, uh, well, she opened her own private practice in 2019 called Divine Counseling and Consultation, where she offers competent and relevant counseling and biblical guidance to empower, edify, and encourage healing to clients that allow them to take control of their destinies and function uh, productively. So today, uh, with last episodes, with last episode being about mental health mattering. I thought it was very important that we dive further into community resources. Um, for a lot of our listeners who may be experiencing a mental health crisis or dealing with their dealing with healing through their mental health diagnosis, I thought it was very important to be able to point out certain community resources that they could look to to receive services from. Um, for me, it has been my experience, one of the many jobs that I've done over my time of providing services as a mental health pr practitioner is that some people tend to not know the services that are available to them. And because they don't know the services that are available to them, they don't necessarily always make the best choices regarding services. Um, working in the emergency room, I've had the opportunity to sit there and experience people waiting six hours to go through the whole process of being triaged, seen by a doctor or a nurse, then to get medically cleared, to then for me to have to come and speak with them, for them to say, hey, I'm just here so I can get pointed in the right direction of who I can go talk to. Not really understanding that you just wasted a whole day and crude serious amounts of debt when there's faster and better ways in order to get services. So I hope that with this episode that we can expand upon some of those services such as private practice and even you know some of the other community resources such as Thrive Alabama. So Ms. Cherie, tell us about your private practice and, and some of the services that you offer there. Sure. So, uh, like you said earlier, my private practice has been open since about 2019. Uh, and one of the main purposes for me opening my private practice, honestly, was to serve underserved populations. Um, having worked in community health for several years, there was definitely a need. And so one of the things that I always said is I want to give back. And so there's actually several clients that I see for nothing. I have several pro bono clients that I see. Um, and I offer a sliding scale fee based off of income for individuals that may not be able to afford other private practitioners. Okay. So was that something that you felt that, you know, like it was like your purpose to do? 
Absolutely. It's, it's always, so I've always been a curious person and that's how I really got into psychology and counseling in the first place. I always, you know, wonder why people did what they did or thought the way that they thought. And so I took a psychology course in high school and was like, uh, destiny. That is exactly what I want to do with my life. Uh, and private practice has always been a dream because eventually I want to be my own boss. Uh, and I want to do therapy my way and um, help my people. Okay. I mean, I'm, you said something that, that we touched on in, in a previous episode of our show of, you know, like destiny and purpose. And for a lot of us, you know, who are like trying to navigate life as a whole, um, a lot of us end up not really living out our purpose and our destiny. And I think that when it comes to things like healthcare as just period, like healthcare is not something you're really going to get rich in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not something that you're going to get, it's, it's not super glamorous. It's not super sexy. It's not, you know, you know, you're not going to get a lot of praise and adulation as a provider. Um, but it's something that, you know, like you're kind of pushed and kind of pulled into because you're, you're moved, you know, in that, in that direction. And, you know, for me, I, I definitely sympathize with that and, and resonate with that because I mean, I feel the same way. Um, even, even with my parents, my parents ask me this all the time. They're like, why? Why? <laughs> why? Why are you doing that? Like, do you not realize? No, do you not realize how much money you could be making doing something else? Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, like me and my sister were talking about this. Uh, when was it? Today's Friday. Uh, we were talking about it the other. I think it was Tuesday. We were talking about it, and she was just like, she was just going down the list. You know how much money you could be doing? Da 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 da. Doing this, doing this, doing this. And you know, for me, it's never been about the money. Um, yeah. I I would literally do this for free. Um, because again, being able to be a part of someone's life and be able to help them in this current moment, in this current time, being able to, you know, point them in the right direction and be able to see the change occur, be able to, for it to become long lasting, not just necessarily like a temporary change, but a long lasting change of growth and development where you recognize for yourself that, man, I got to make some changes. And in order to make those changes, I got to be willing to kind of put who I who I want to be, you know, at the forefront. And and that's one of those things that I feel like for 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 mental health, that's what intrigued me is being able to understand people um, mm. and, and just being able to relate to people on a, on a whole different level. Um, and I find that it that kind of overlaps into other facets of my life. Um, it, it definitely does. It, it definitely overlaps into other facets of my life in regards to being able to just interact with people in general. I understand why someone may feel the way that they feel rather than just immediately attacking it. You stop and you right. think about yourself. Let me let me stop and let me pause and let me recalibrate what I'm initially about to say. Um, but I think that, you know, like I said, it, it's very important that, that we understand that that piece of, of, you know, like wanting to help people, wanting to be a positive force in other people's lives. Um, what do you think about that, Unique? I would totally agree. Um, I think I could second all that has been said here. Weekly, I get asked, you know, with my managerial skills, why don't you just go into management? Um, I like people, but I don't want to manage them in that way. I want to help them manage their own lives. And so I definitely understand just the desire to be a help to someone else and navigate 
them through that lifestyle. I know we use, that's probably one of our buzzwords as therapists, navigate um, a navigation, because we, we literally are, we handhold a lot. Sometimes we're the cheerleader, sometimes we are the person showing the way, we're the trailblazer with them, but it's never our journey. We are just a passenger and on the journey with the person. And that's a privilege. I tell people all the time, it's a really a great privilege to do what I do every day. I don't take it lightly or for granted or um, think that I have all of the answers because I don't. I too come from a community therapy background um, and I wanted to just say like, just to be able to go into someone's home and see them at sometimes their worst is very humbling. Um, because this person is inviting you, a stranger, in to see them at their most vulnerable space. And then you get the honor and the privilege of helping them to get to their best self, whatever that is. It might not be my best ideal for them or what I think their potential is, but helping them to actualize what their potential actually is and the good things that they see about themselves. That is worth all of the money in the world. If we could post clients, I tell clients, I'm like, look, if I could take your picture and just show you before and after, like yeah. a dentist or right. like a plastic surgeon, I would like, I can't say your name, but can I just like tell people your story? Because it's captivating to just have seen people at the brink of suicide or at the brink of loss of children or loss of just self-identity or self-worth. And then to come full circle and now they are booking trips, have their kids back, are able to hold a steady job, are able to just wake up and value life again. That mm -hmm. there is worth any six-figure position, any Fortune 500, you know, title. It, it's just worth it to me. And so I, I totally 100% agree with everything you guys have said. And the gratitude as mm -hmm. well. Like when you have those clients that come back once they've gone through their journey of healing and they're so thankful mm -hmm. and grateful, mm -hmm. like that's so fulfilling as mm -hmm. a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, most certainly sometimes too, because we get stuck. <laughs> like people think, like you said, we don't have all of the answers. I yeah. promise you we don't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in your journey, we get just as stuck as you are. Um, and so, you know, that can create a little imposter syndrome for mm -hmm. us as, as practitioners, but to have a client come back to you or in the midst of therapy and express how thankful they are for your guidance and instruction, mm -hmm. um, and how much that you've helped them is, is so fulfilling. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it, it does make up sometimes for the, the compensation that you don't always get as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, it, it, it definitely gets to a point to where at times, like as a provider, I definitely am always looking to provide the best service that I can. And if I can't provide that best service, I always look for other avenues in which I can make sure that the client mm -hmm. gets that service, mm -hmm. you know, because for, for us as providers, you know, our goal is not to be superheroes or to be saints or to be angels. You know, our job is to educate you about what's going on with you and helping you be the best version of yourself. Yeah. Um, and so for, you know, for me working in the emergency room, I'm glad I am super happy for every experience that I received along my journey as a provider because it allowed me to compile, you know, where services can be found, who someone can go talk to, you know, regardless if that's with me or not. Mm -hmm. And so being able to come across things like, 
you know, people who have private practice, you know, being able to come across things like Thrive Alabama, you know, where people can go and receive all a multitude of different services, not just mental health services, but primary care services as well. You know, being able to point people in that direction to be able to get them the help that they need, you know, means the world to me. Because, I mean, for me, I'm, I've always been the type of person where I will sacrifice for myself in order to make sure other people are good. Mm-hmm. If if we're good, you know, that's what that's my that's always been my primary focus is to always make sure that collectively we're good. You know, and so for me, you know, being able to network and being able to meet other people and being able to talk to other people and be able to get their fresh perspectives allows me to be able to be a better provider. Because I know that if I don't have the answers, I can send you to this person who does have the answers. If I can't provide the services, I can send you to somebody who does have the services and not just have you stuck and you not know where to go or what to do. I think that's important, right? Because a lot of times people think of therapists as only you're sitting down and talking to someone on the couch. But when I was working in substance abuse, I would tell people all the time, I'm a resource center. I'm the one who can tell you, you know, where to get case services if you need food. And no, I'm not a social worker and that's not like my job as the case manager. But I know where to tell you to get these things. If you're having a crisis, this is the crisis number. If you're feeling, um, if you're wanting to go to grief groups, here are grief groups in your community. If you've been through a traumatic um, incident and you're not ready to talk about an individual therapy, that you can go here. I gave families, so many resources for just coping with having a loved one who had severe mental illness. And they're like, I, I, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. And so being able to point them in the direction of resources helped them to come back, right? Because now they mm-hmm. say, oh, I know that she gave me a resource for this. So when I'm ready for individual therapy, I can come there for that. Or if I need a group therapist, she's gonna be able to help me out. So no, it's not always about sitting a person down on your sofa or in your office, sometimes it could just be pointing them, like you were saying, in that resource of these are options that will help you to get to your next step, Mm. right? It might not finish the whole journey, but it gets you to the very next place that you need to go, right? You may, if you're not, if you're sitting in the middle of the street and you're wearing a winter coat in Alabama heat, it's just, you know, it happens. I smile because we've seen this yeah. Yeah. in our line of work. Um, yeah. But I, the next step might not be to get you into therapy. It could be to get you in medication management. So get yeah. you on an ACT team where you're realizing, all right, this is, this is not appropriate attire for the winter. I mean, for the summer. This is, this is winter attire, but I got to get you on a medication regimen so that your brain is responding to the stimuli. And then teaching the family how to respond to that and teaching other partners in the community how to respond to that and getting you in maybe a day treatment program. And so all of these little steps add to the bigger picture of a person's wholeness and their self. Yeah. And even kind of piggybacking on that, you know, part of what we do as practitioners as well is helping them assess needs because sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't know what they need. Mm -hmm. They just know they need something yeah no they know they're not doing well Mm -hmm. they know they need help but they don't know 
what they need. And so oh, it's being good. able to do those psychosocials um, and figuring out what their current life stressors are. Mm-hmm. You know, where are you lacking to help them assess their needs? Mm-hmm. That way we know how, like you said, navigate. <laughs> yep. We know yep. how to help them navigate um, the community resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you hit on an important part, like when you talked about those, those benchmarks. One of the questions that we ask, I know we've all asked it, how long has this been going on? Mm-hmm. That is so important for our population and the people that we serve and the families that you know are surrounding their support networks. Because if someone's dealing with something for three months, it's different if someone's dealing with something for three years. How right. long the, the resources I'm going to give you are totally different. Right? Exactly. If I'm dealing with grief at a three-month mark, as opposed to this is something you've been battling for three years. This grief may have turned into full-blown depression. Mm-hmm. And so now we might be looking at not only services for talk therapy, but we might be looking at some medication management. Or we may have to bump it up. Maybe we need to do a crisis intervention because or, there are different resources. Go ahead, Raj. Or, or possible uh, commitment or something yes. that makes hospitalization. Yes. And see, but, but I think that that's something that people are often shy about. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to tell you how long this has been going on, but I can't really assess the magnitude of your issue if I don't know all of the details. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I always tell people all the time, yes, we treat your mind, but we can't read it. Mm-hmm. So because I can't read your mind, you know, this is completely ju- judgment free, mm-hmm. you know, Anything we talk about is going to stay right here unless it is something where some either your life or someone else's life is going to be in, in danger. Right. You know, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll navigate through it. We'll process it. And like Sheree was saying, sitting down and doing those psychosocials because things become real when it's written down on paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to say that I need something, but it's another thing to see that I need something. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to recognize, like once it's on paper, like, oh, my God, like. I've been yeah. dealing with this for six months to a yeah. year or a year and a half. Oh my God. You know, like it, it makes it real for people. Yeah. And so for me, you know, with the advances of technology, most people do not sit down in front of somebody and they're having a conversation with people, mm-hmm. you know, even like with my, my coworkers, I tell them all the time, like I have case managers and I've been training them. I was like, we, we're not using computers. We use paper and pencils. Mm-hmm. And they were like, why? It's faster to do it on a computer. I said, yes, it's faster to do it on a computer, but it's also impersonal to do it on a computer. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't see what the other person is writing because, again, they're sitting across from you. There's a screen in between you and them. You know, now, you know, I do believe in, you know, co-current documentation as well. But also when I know that the person is in crisis, it's more important to me to, to form that connection with them yes. through making the interaction personable by sitting down so you can see I'm sitting next to you so you can see what I'm writing down, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's time it's and good. place. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Time and place. You know when to use it, you know when not to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and for, for a lot of us, it get, you know, like, yeah, you can get caught up in the rigmarole of, of like trying to get documentation done and stuff like that. But again, you know, like when a person is truly in a crisis, like to me, that goes out the window, like mm-hmm. productivity documentation that goes out the window. Now, please understand. I like to get paid, so of course I'm going to do the documentation. You can't get paid if you didn't document it. So, you know, I'm definitely, I don't like working for free, so I will document. But also at the same time, 
I want to build that relationship and I want to help you in that crisis. That is far more important to me in that moment than hitting a productivity marker. Um, and that is where you develop those bonds and you develop those relationships is when you're willing to set yourself aside to be able to help another person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in with today's, you know, today's society, you know, mental illness and talking about mental health as a whole has become much more open and much more acceptable. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, people would just kind of whisper about it or people would kind of just talk around it or not be as open. And people, mm -hmm. a lot of people would suffer in silence because of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, like literally, you know, like even for me, me personally, like there are times like where I don't always feel my best. Um, at times I tend to dress the way that I feel. So if I'm feeling myself, I wear I wear vibrant colors sometimes. Like I'm really feeling myself, which is and a if, shock. And if, you and, vibrant colors. And, and and when I'm not feeling myself, you know, sometimes I I may dress like I'm going to a funeral. Like I just wear I wear like gray and black are my favorite colors anyway. But if I'm wearing those every single day, you know, there's something not right. And so like I had to get to the point to where even for me as a provider, had to get to the point to where I had to recognize that it was okay to talk about how I was feeling and what was going on with me instead of internalizing everything. Because for a lot of us, we think that, you know, we can just ride the wave Ooh, and yeah, just, you know, it. eventually I'll, you know, I'll get out of this funk. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. Yeah. Sometimes you, you get taken over by the wave and next thing you know, you drown. <laughs> You yeah, people, people forget that we're we're not only dealing with your stuff, we're uh -huh. dealing with our stuff too. Uh -huh. So we're dealing and with your stuff else. and our stuff at the same time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> we be, we and, and the next person's stuff. Yeah. Hey, we, we be struggling sometimes. Yep. And so for me, just being able to have the resource to be able to talk to other people, to be able mm -hmm. to, because like when people think of mental illness or, or having a mental health crisis, everybody thinks the same thing. Everyone thinks, mm -hmm. you know, you know, what they've seen on television or what they've seen in movies. Mm -hmm. Everyone doesn't experience it the same way. Yeah. Even two people who have the same diagnosis don't experience that diagnosis exactly the same way. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, I would go back to part of our jobs as providers is to educate people, oh, you yeah. know, educate you about what you're experiencing and then actually getting to the root cause of why you're experiencing that because it de defeats the purpose of us pointing out, hey, this is the problem. This is why you're depressed. And then mm -hmm. we're not addressing why you're depressed, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and even for me working in the hospital setting, explaining to people like for me, I, I like to use cartoons or even animals, you know, to, to, to make a point. And so I remember one particular time, this one client, every, I say two to three weeks, they're back in the hospital again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could literally set my watch to it this weekend. You know, this person will be walking mm -hmm. in. And so eventually, you know, we're, we worked on the weekends. We worked, we worked two twelve. So Saturday, I work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And Sunday, I work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And so we're just sitting there. It's hard to not have a conversation with someone when you're locked on a unit with them for 12 hours. Right. So we're sitting around and we're just talking. So I was, you know, just like, hey, um, why do you keep coming back? Like, what's going on? And, you know, he was going through what, you know, like what was going on in his life. And I, and I explained to him, I was like, you realize that we as human beings, we can't be turtles, right? Mm -hmm. He's like a turtle. What do you mean? I said, when you take a stick and you poke at a turtle, what does it do? I said, you know, exactly. I was like, the, the hospital has become your shell. Mm -hmm. 
So every time you go through something, every time things aren't going the way that you're going, you know, problems come out, you go, you draw right into your shell until you, you know, life isn't like, you know, animals or whatever that's coming at the turtle where I can't get at the turtle and eventually I lose interest and go away. Mm-hmm. Those same problems that are out there that you're drawing in, that you're drawing away from, they're still going to be out there. Regardless yeah. of how long you sit in here, they're still going to be out there. So your wife leaving you, uh, your bills, whatever's going on, it's still going to be out there when you, when you get out. So it's just better to just go ahead and address it and figure out what you can do to, you know, better, you know, handle it than just coming in here and just getting a pause or a timeout from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I even tell that with clients who are doing outpatient therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, don't go to therapy for two weeks and then I don't see you for six months and come, on. come back again. Mm-hmm. Then life is life is in crisis again. Yep. If you come consistently mm-hmm. and learn your coping skills and how to utilize them, every six months life won't be chaotic. Yep. Facts. Yep. 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 <laughs> you can't treat therapy like a microwave. You can't just come when you need to reheat something Listen, and then leave. We are not a writing or a Walgreens. We're, no. we're not your neighborhood pharmacy where you go for an over-the-counter fix no. and then boom, it's just gonna be better. I, I've told clients, I'm with you, Cherie. I was like, look, this whole once a month thing ain't working for you. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a venting spot. That's what you have friends for. You don't pay me mm-hmm. to vent. And she's like, oh. I said, did I say that out loud? I did. I did. You you don't pay me to vet. <laughs> I mean, it, therapy is almost the same thing as going to church. Like you can't you can't be some timey if you're serious about having a connection with whoever you whoever you pray to. Yeah. Like if you're serious about having that connection, developing and growing in 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 your faith, however you worship, you got to participate in it consistently. And so for a lot of us, you know, when it comes to things like therapy. Or it comes to things like, you know, counseling or, or whatever type of service that you, if you want to get better, you want to be better for an extended period of time, you got to consistently participate in it. It can't just be when I'm at my worst, now I want to pray. Mm-hmm. When things aren't going good, Lord, please save me from this. It can't be that. You, you got to be, you got to be praying at the beginning, the middle and the end, yeah, you know, but. I, th- I think that's because, like what you said before, that uh, that's where that education comes in, mm-hmm. teaching people the difference between a crisis and an illness. Yeah, you're coming to me for crises. You you can't live in a crisis. You can't be in survival mode every day for the rest of your life. You yep. will die. Literally. Like that's not a euphemism. Like no, that's an actual fact. Literally, you will you die. Will die. <laughs> you just won't wake up one day because you're in freaking survival mode. Okay, you're gonna do something crazy. And you're going to dead yourself. So it's, it's about teaching them, look, this is what you have going on. This is this is the grass line, the baseline roots of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I mean, something like depression. You yelling at your kids. You didn't been in several relationships. You didn't quit some jobs because you didn't went off on somebody. Your road rage is going on the 10. You bills are underpaid. And so they're coming to you for all of those crises. But the bottom line is you're depressed. Let's talk about your depression. But I can't I can't work on your depression in one session. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't have a magic wand. I tell clients that all the time. I am not a magician. I'm pretty savvy at a lot that I do, but I'm not a magician. OK, I, I can't magically make your problems go away. But you can with some consistency. 
right? Mm -hmm. Learning about your depression, learning your triggers, learning how depression shows up in other areas of your life. Because when you understand that, now you're, like you said before, I think it was you, I think it was you, RJ, or Sherry who said, you're not going to have a crisis every six months. Because at your six months mark, you already know if you're coming to therapy consistently, how to work through that. You're able to pull on those coping skills to say, okay, well, when I was talking to Sherry in therapy last month and I was going through this when my boyfriend was like acting crazy or I was acting crazy, we talked about communication skills and we talked about reframing. And so now I can use those same skills when my boss is getting on my nerves and I'm feeling gaslit. Oh, all right. Well, let, let me reframe in this, in this instance too. And then I can process that moment right? That's, that's a good therapy word for it. I can process this moment with my therapist. Exactly. Yep. All right. I'm not calling my therapist. What should I do? No, I'm processing. Hey, Sherry, remember we learned those skills. This is how I apply the skills that we learned. And we can process what we did well, what we could have done better. How did it work? How did it feel? What did we like? How can we use that going forward for the rest of our life? Yeah, I mean, I, that's one of those things where, like I was saying in the very in the very first episode, well, last episode that we were talking about this, you know, when you, when it comes to participating in services, it's like sitting in front of somebody completely naked. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to hide. There's no place to hide anything because you're naked. Yeah. You know, and so when you come into it from the mindset of coming into it, you know, where I'm naked, I'm just everything's out there. Now, again, as your provider, I'm not. We're not going to talk about everything. There's just certain mm-hmm. things we're just not going to talk about. If it's conducive to moving treatment along, yes, of course, we'll talk about it. If it's just something where you're just trying to make conversation, no, we're not talking about that because that's not what this is for. Um, but when you, when you actually consistently participate in the, in the treatment, again, you'll see progress if, if that is what you want from it. Because treatment is what you, what you want of it. Everything that we do in life, it's what you make of and it's what you want of it. You could be working the worst job, but if your mindset is, is a positive one, mm-hmm. it could be the best job. Mm-hmm. And, and, and same thing when it comes to participating in, in services. It's what you make of it. It's what you, what you focus your mind on. If your goal is to come into, th- come into therapy or come into treatment to become better, if you put forth the effort, you'll become better. Yep. You know, you'll become better. But again, the effort is with the person who is experiencing whatever they are experiencing. Because again, I can only match your energy. Mm-hmm. You know, because our forms of reality are different. And because our forms of reality are different, I can't make you want it for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so that's where, for me as a provider, I'm constantly always looking at ways in which I can revamp, you know, and, and jazz up and, and mm-hmm. add some new seasonings or whatever you want to call it to whatever services I'm providing because, no, you know, I don't want to become stale. I don't want to become stagnant. I don't want to keep yeah. giving you the same answers. Or the same thing I said to this person, I'm saying it to somebody else. I'm constantly mm-hmm. always looking at where I, as a provider, can become better. Um, yeah. Because again, if this was conversely, you know, we swapped roles, mm-hmm. I'd want you to be doing the same thing. Yes. You know, I, I'd want you to be doing the same thing. I'd want you to kind of care about what, you, what you're saying to me or care about what I'm thinking about what you said to me. And for, I, like I said, with, with, with times being changed and people have become more empathetic and sympathetic to other people struggling. You know, you start to see people are starting to take more steps towards making sure they're a whole complete person. 
Mm-hmm. Because for most of us, we're walking around and we're, we're only a part of who we should be. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I look good on the outside, but on the inside, you know, it's just, it's bad. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not until you're around this person or you really get a chance to, to know them that you recognize how bad it is. Because for me, as a provider, you know, and I've talked about this in other episodes where, for me, I feel what other people feel. Like, I get to the point to where I have to, like, completely step away from other people because I feel how they feel. If I, they're having a crappy day, it makes my day crappy. I could be having a crappy day, but they're, they're feeling themselves. Guess what? I'm feeling myself now, too. It's like I'm feeding off of that. And yeah. so you get to the point to where sometimes you have to kind of separate yourself from other people because of that. But it also makes me say, hmm, there's something not right here. You know, because something's not right here. Hey, come here. Let's sit down and talk about it. I know you won't talk about it, but there's some you 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 ain't your normal self. Mm-hmm. You're not your normal self. Let's sit down and let's talk about it. Like there have been times like just random people, you know, you know, I come in contact with them and I, I feel it off of them. Like I feel their energy is not right. And mm-hmm. we'll start talking about it. And then you're just like, oh, my God, I feel better because I talked about that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this you know, I remember one one day I was at I was at I was at the hospital taking a client to an appointment and we went to the lab. And so the phlebotomist was drawn, doing their blood or whatever. And I could feel it. Something was wrong with her. So I said, how are you? And she's like, yeah, I'm all right. I was like, why? You know, and I ask people whenever people say, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. I ask people, um, why not super fantastic or why not great? And she was like, you know, you know, I had, I got, you know, so she started telling me, you know, I have this health issue going on and blah, 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 blah. And, by the end of the conversation, after she had finished drawing, drawing his, his sample and everything, she's like, that made me feel better to just talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, I feel a whole lot better. She said, I, I you know, because like I told her, I said, you know, pray about it, but you can't stress yourself about things you have. You have absolutely no control over. And, and for and for for a lot of us as human beings, we're so used to being masters of everything that we put our hands on. That the moment we we face any type of adversity or any type of friction in regards to control, we don't know how to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. And and even with that, RJ, mm-hmm. that made me think. That made me think of something. Mhm. How, although we as individuals are not going to have the same problem per se, one thing that I can say that I have noticed in therapy is that the themes of what people go mm. through are almost identical. I, that, that's, people, that's what I people struggle with relationships. Mm-hmm. They struggle with yep. their thinking patterns. Yep. They struggle with how to manage their emotions. Like, although mm-hmm. people don't go through the same thing, those are so present themes mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a lot of people struggle with. Yep. 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 And I think that's encouraging. I mean, some people might say it's a bit crazy to think of it that way, but when we are doing therapy to even tell a person, you're not the only person. Like this is Absolutely. this is not abnormal behavior. People go through this. Absolutely. Okay. I go through Absolutely. this, you go through this. I have other clients that I'm working on the same things with. So there what I'm telling you is not something I just thought about because it sounded nice to say today. No, this is stuff that actually works. Mm-hmm. These, these are actual problems that you have and these are actual solutions that we can work towards. Let's figure out which one works for you. 
Most definitely. I mean, that's why that's what I like about group therapy in contrast to individual mm-hmm. therapy, because group therapy promotes universality, meaning that mm-hmm. we all are going through this. Somebody else in this group yeah. Yeah. has either is either going through what you're going through presently mm-hmm. or has made it to the other side of it. Yeah. So you can learn from them because you watch them navigate through it. Mm-hmm. And most people, if you're smart, you don't have to experience something yourself to recognize it's not a good Come idea. On. So I recognize, oh, crap, if I step over here and and I go too far left, I step in a hole and I break my leg. But if I watch somebody else do it or they tell me not to go over there, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go in the direction they lead me. And so that's what I love about group therapy is the fact that you get to recognize that you there's nothing wrong with you, that it's other people who are going through the same thing as you. And for a lot of us. We go through, we start thinking that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that I'm broken in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm defective in some way. Um, it's and only I'm, me. It's only me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, yes, you know, my mom told me when I was a little kid that I was so special, but I ain't that special where I'm the only person that experiences these problems. Listen. So, my name is it, unique and I'm still not that special. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> that was cute. but but those are things and that's where like i said like for a lot of us who come across you know come across people who are in some sort of you know transitional phase because that's what i like to call it rather than being a crisis transitional phase Mm -hmm. you know when someone is in a transitional phase or dealing with being unwell because their their symptoms have gotten the best of them Mm -hmm. you know i'm always looking at hey you know where can i where can i navigate them to You know, rather that be group therapy, rather that be individual therapy. Um, Hey, let's sit down and let's find you the best option that you can afford for your money. Because again, everyone is not wealthy. Yeah. And because everyone is not wealthy, medicine, regardless if it's life saving or just maintenance, it's a business. And with it being a business, you know, trying to get someone the best money, you know, the best that their money can afford. Is something that I prioritize because it does not it doesn't make any sense for me to put you in something, push you to somebody or point mm-hmm. you in the direction of something, knowing that you cannot maintain it once you start it. Yep. I'm actually doing you more harm than help if I do that to you. Come on. And I've I've had I cannot tell you how many times I've had that argument with doctors, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like this person doesn't have insurance, but you put them on an injectable that's like a thousand dollars. How? How? Like, why, How? Why are we doing this? I'm like, why, why, this? why does that make sense? You know, or or like I have one client, he's on a heart medication. The heart medication is like two hundred something dollars. Yeah. I'm like, and he can't afford that. Non compliant. No, they're yeah. not non compliant. They're just it's, they can't afford it. It's not a plan that could work for them. Or or if the service is super inconvenient you know like to me that's something i push for as well convenience i'm more likely to participate in things that are not an impediment an impediment or inconvenient for me so for me as a provider you know i will work around my person's schedule what you know what you got going on this week what day and what time works best for you mm-hmm. oh well anything no 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 mm-hmm. it's not about what i want what works right. for you because my goal is to get you the service. It don't matter. I got to get you the service eight o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night. My job is to get you the service. So you tell me what, what day and what time works for you. 
And when you start to develop and establish those relationships with people, people are more likely to participate in the service because it's not inconvenient for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. I think that's one of the reasons why I found so much success in my private practice because Mm -hmm. my private practice is all evening hours. Mm -hmm. I see clients from 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. four days Mm -hmm. a week. And they they love those hours because, for one, you don't have to rush during the lunch break. You don't have to take off. Mm-hmm. And people are looking for those evening and Saturday hours mm-hmm. because yeah. of it, it's inconvenient sometimes to have to schedule therapy between eight and five. So I completely agree. I with think y'all hate it. Like, that's, I mean, that's something that we don't like to talk about as providers, how we do strive for people to get the help that they need. But there, it is some inconveniences. People have work, they have kids, and we're like, no, go to therapy, go to therapy. But you're telling me to do something that doesn't fit in my life. Facts. And it's supposed to help me. How? Mm-hmm. I can't even show up to it. Right? Or I don't yeah. I don't have money to get or I'm at work all day. I need it to be online. I know a lot of people do not like telehealth. And now I, I am saying it. I hope telehealth stays around because <laughs> it has given people access to services that once they just yeah. didn't have time for. I mean, yeah. I live here in Atlanta. You're not getting anywhere without driving an hour. And that's a one mile, like you're going two miles, and you it's going to take you an hour to get there at certain times of the day. So mm-hmm. if I schedule a therapy appointment, I've missed my appointment. Or, or you, or you had to lose half a half a day's worth of work yeah. in order to go to a one hour therapy session. Right, right, because it's going to take me three hours round trip. Right, it's going to take me an hour exactly. to get there, the hour for my session, and then the hour to get back to work. That's three hours worth of work. Yeah, and and when a I, lot of. And a, and a lot of jobs don't want to let you off anyway. Nope, they don't. So so then you you then have to then go and because one of the, one of the guys that I work with outside of working in mental health, he he's he's talking about that. He was talking about how um, having to explain to his 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 boss, his supervisor, why he needed to be off, mm-hmm. you know, in order to go receive psychiatric services, and how humiliating and how you know how embarrassed he was about having to do that Mm -hmm. and so like i told him i said this is the thing man um i get that you 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 feel embarrassed but again you have nothing to be ashamed of you are who you are and if your boss cannot be supportive of you trying to be the best version of yourself then maybe that boss isn't the boss for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and so for me also like i said i'm with you in the whole you know the round trip thing i have that conversation with doctors all the time if you're on, you know, injectables twice a month, that's not a feasible thing. Three times a day medication, that's not a feasible thing. As a person that's not in a transitional phase or have a mental health diagnosis, I barely remember to take allergy medicine every day. Come on. I'll Please realize I, I'll be real I'll realize that, you know, I forgot and to don't take want it. To t- either don't can't remember it or don't want to take it. Listen. I start sneezing set an alarm to remember the alarm. Exactly, because because I'll start sneezing, I'll be like, God dang, I ain't take no medicine. I take the allergy medicine. Be like, right. I can't take it Somebody who is hearing voices and seeing shadows to remember to take mm-hmm. that medication right. at nine a.m. and nine p.m. every day. Yeah, listen, listen. One of the things I've given my clients the permission to do is to text me, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wait, I can do that?" I say, "Yeah, I'd rather you text me at three a.m. I might not answer it at three a.m., mm-hmm. but you need to get it off your chest. Text the whole book. I'm gonna read it at eight. When I get up or when I'm dropping my kid off in the, at the pickup line for school, I'm going to read it at 6 a.m. 
And I might respond at that point. And if I think it's deep enough, I'm going to tell you we need to figure out when you can meet in your schedule outside of our normal meet time because we need to talk about this without text message. And they're like, wow, I didn't. I've had a client to drunk text me and be like, you know, I just needed to get it off my chest. I'm so sorry for that. I said, why are you apologizing for something I've given you permission to do? I said, did it help? Did you feel better? He's like, yeah, because I didn't go home and yell at my wife. I was like, we got it. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm creating, a safe space for you to learn. These are the people that I can trust in these moments. And now when we have our session, we can talk about, all right, well, what was going on in that moment? What was that trigger, right? How did we get to that place? So those texts, and I think some providers feel like, well, if I give a client that much leeway, then they're going to abuse it. I I can count on one some, hand. Some do. Some do. Never. Some do. Had a client abuse. I haven't either. Some some do. I literally had to have that conversation twice this week, where I was like, "Listen, (laughs) you you call like we go together." Okay. See. Like like literally, my guy my guy was calling like five six times every day. Come on, my man. Come on. Like. But that those chances, I mean, out of your clients, that's two. That's two. That's yeah, it's, it's the overarching is it's usually not going to. Happen. Yeah, most yeah. of them, most of them, res- most of them respect your boundaries. Mm-hmm. If you build that rapport uh-huh. with them, yeah, yeah, and you set those boundaries and expectations up front mm-hmm. from the beginning, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll yeah. respect them. You, but you can't allow them to do it for a year and then be like, okay, I got to put boundaries in place. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not happening. You can't it's change. Not, you can't change the rules of the game halfway through. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, those are things that I think now we're talking about services that we provide that are not the billables, right? Mm-hmm. Those are, because people say, all you are in it for is to make money. No. no, I don't make any money responding to a text. I don't nope. make money responding to a 911 crisis call. What should I do? Or referring somebody to a resource that's not me. I make mm-hmm. zero dollars from that. I, yep. We don't work in a business where we get money commission off of referrals. Nope, not at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do not. Listen, I I wish I wish we did make money off of you know like from the pharmacy rep say, hey man, you know I just Look, feel like this paperwork man. I need you to cut me some of this money because I be I'm a big proponent of you know affordability of services. Affordability that is like the key thing. It don't matter what the service is, can I afford it? Yeah. Because if you if I can't afford it. I know they can't afford it. Uh-huh. And if they can't afford it, they're going to be in, in you know, like dire, dire straits. Yeah. So trying to prevent that, you know, I address that immediately. How much does this cost? Okay. Is there a cheaper option? What's the, how much is the generic form of this medication? Mm-hmm. You know, because for a lot of people, they don't know. And, and, and I don't know why people don't explain this to their clientele is a lot of these medications that your prescriber may prescribe you. They have generic forms. Yep. Um, there's things called GoodRx where you can actually go on there, type your medication in. Mm-hmm. And it will tell you the pharmacies that, yeah, they'll give you a coupon or mm-hmm. it will tell you where, which pharmacies at which place sell it for the cheapest price. And then also there are things called the, uh, some medications have a PAP, which is called a prescription assistantship program, mm-hmm. where if you have the right diagnosis, um, you justify the need for it being, you know, free or potentially reduced. You can get your medication for a whole year. 
free or at a reduced cost. So instead of paying $1,000, you might pay $20 or you mm -hmm. might pay $15. Mm -hmm. some, some of the medication, you might get it for free. Yeah. So just being able to explain that to people, you can see just the, the burden just lift off of them. Yeah. Be, being able to explain to people that, hey, in pretty much every metropolitan area, there is a, a community mental health center. Yeah. You know, so literally you moving here from Michigan and just deciding, hey, I'm going to move here. You sat in the emergency room all day mm -hmm. for me to give you a piece of paper to say, hey, come to the, your, your local community mental health center five, five minutes from where we're at now. Right. I'm just like, I could have saved you a whole day. But yeah. a lot of people don't know that because, yeah. again, mental health has not necessarily been a thing that people speak about. You know, it's not something that people are readily invested in or people readily understand until in the last, I say, five or so years, because you have more and more people speak about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that I always speak about to my clients, especially people who are higher functioning and are just necessarily going through that transitional phase. Um, there are a lot of famous people that have a mental illness or have experienced a mental health crisis that you would never even know unless they told you, are you a part of their treatment? There's so many famous people and people don't believe me until I go to Google and, I, and we start scrolling the pages. Yep. I remember that movie. I remember mm -hmm. seeing them on that show. I remember mm -hmm. seeing them in, on that magazine cover. So if they can function, you, you can do it too. Yeah. That, or we see them in the headlines because they've completed suicide. Mismanaged. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that, that, that's something that, that, in, in, in explaining that piece to people as well, even like with the court commit, the court commitment process, explaining that process to people too. Like the, you know, that is only a, la a worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. You are so unwell and you cannot be managed in any other facet than for that to occur. It is not something that anybody wants to take lightly. It's not punishment. It's not a timeout. It's not a boot camp. It's not none of that. Nope. You are to the point to where you are a threat to yourself or others. And because yeah. you are a threat to yourself or others, the fear is that you will either hurt yourself or hurt somebody else in the process of trying to hurt yourself. Or you are so unwell that you don't even recognize what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. So you may do something that you may not even remember. Yeah. And that that occurs more often than not, where yeah. people are so unwell, they are out of touch with reality. When they first, they come in on day one, they're a whole different person than who they are on day 35 or mm -hmm. day 45. Mm -hmm. They don't even, you, you're talking to them about it. They're like, I didn't do that. Right. They're like, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. And that's sobering for them. Take, right? Because yeah, yeah you got, right. I got, I got that paperwork when you came in the police yeah. report. Of how I'm you like, got I'm here. like, do you, would you like to see the security footage of you, of you beating up the staff? Yeah. I, oh my God. Oh my God. And then like, I remember one client, um, he was a college kid. He played, he was in college, played football. And I mean, I was across the street. They called me by the time I got into the building, he had, he had wore them out like a cheap mm -hmm. pair of Walmart shoes. I mean, he beat the brakes off of them. And so like when we were talking about, it, we were sitting down and we were playing chess and we were talking about it. And so he's like, man, I didn't do that. I'm like, yeah, you did. You did. I said, I said you see his face, his black eyes. And you gave him that. He's like, nah, man, you lying. I was like, nah. I said, I asked my manager, he'll show you the tape. Showed him the footage. He's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't even remember doing any of that. He's like, I don't, he's like, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. And I was like, it's nothing to be embarrassed of, man. You know, it happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. what's, what, what's important now is you're better now. 
that that person right there is not who you are now. And that person who you are in that in that footage doesn't have to be who you need to continue to be. Because some people they will. For as much as we as providers provide the service, you will have some people choose to go the exact opposite. Um, You you know, rather that be rather that be through circumstance or, you know, they just make a choice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, that's that's that is probably the only downside is that you can't you, you're not able to save everybody. Yeah. You're not able to help everybody. Yeah. I and mean, that, that's a realization I even think as therapists, mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge and come to terms with because, you know, when you you first graduate, you think you just go out here and just say everybody mm-hmm. um, until, you know, you get that first client who is just not not willing to change and want to do it. Or, you know, you get your first court order that's just there because they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start taking it home with you mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it starts interfering with your life you really have to come to that realization that your your role is not to save the world your role is not to save everybody and you're not and yeah. that's okay yeah I mean I think too this is why it's important to teach people about your role in their life right and because it's a reminder for us my role is not to be in your life forever Mm-hmm. Um, having lost clients, they literally died and having to tell their families, this is the wallet. This is all that your loved one has been reduced to is a wallet or a few outfits and to like have to put them in the pieces. Well, well, what can you say? I said, unfortunately, they were in your lifetime for however long they were. I'm, I was only here for a few weeks or months. That, that's, that was my exposure. And while that, but as a therapist, that's something that you have to process. Mm-hmm. while you still give therapy to the next person and you have to keep reminding yourself I am here for a time frame it might be a week a month and as long as I'm here I want to be the most impactful while I'm here mm-hmm. it might not save you but I, at least you knew I, yeah. and I, I had to get to sleep knowing I told them I said it. Mm-hmm. We confronted the hard issues. We talked about it. They knew their resources. They knew what was available to them. They know where to get help. Um, even if they don't choose it with me, they know where to get it. Mm-hmm. Because I think I lost seven clients in one year, like to death wow. in substance abuse. Seven died, like on Christmas, New Year, and like big stuff. I had like, I think my youngest was 20, 20 21. And his mom just called me and broke down in tears and to have to tell her, I'm sorry. After a while, it started to take a toll and people say, well, how do you keep showing up for work? I said, because I got to make sure I'm telling the next person, hey, Mm -hmm. there are resources out there. Even if this is not the program for you, I don't care. Just get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you ha- get it for you. Not yep. for me, not because, you know, they used to call me Miss Unique. Miss Unique wants you to be better. It's not about me getting you better. I- I'm going to go home and sleep every night. Okay, you have to get better because you want to be better. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read about you in the obituaries. I don't want to have to view your body and, you know, tell them what to write on the toe tag. I just don't want to do that. But that's up to you. Mm-hmm. That's up to you. And so as providers, checking in with our community is important. 
mm-hmm. I've had to call other therapists and say, I just need to vent about my day today. I just yeah. need some silence. Just sit on the phone and be quiet with me today. Like, why? What happened? I, I'm not really ready to talk about it because I have to process what happened, the magnitude of it. But checking in with our communities are important. Um, giving ourselves the time and space in those moments to be silent. And like, I think, RJ, you talked about it earlier, kind of stepping back so that we can decompress and to refocus because of the heavy work that we do for our clients and for the people in our communities. It's important, you know, and I think when our clients see that, it helps them to know how much we actually care. Yep. I don't want to take some of this stuff home, but some of it, especially this is why I don't work with kids. I love kids. Ain't working with them. I ain't getting a check for them. Because the separation just ain't there. Because now I want to drag your mama, but I can't. Because now I got to send you back home. And I know why you the way you are. That is exactly why I don't work with kids. Because you not, the problem is the parents. It's and the parents don't want to do nothing about it. Well, I, have, so I said, nope. Well, I see seen it up. Yeah, because then I'll have to deal with your. Parents. Well, not even just that, even but but the system. the issue is this right here is like when it comes to like even now with the way that we we handle problems, like we are in it, we are in a stage where people aren't really addressing their problems. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're we're in a stage where there's a pill or yeah. there's some sort of treatment that you can do rather than address the root cause of the problem, mm-hmm. like. I've had coworkers where instead of addressing why they're overweight, well, I'm just going to get a, I'm going to get the tube or the gastric mm-hmm. bypass surgery or some other weight loss surgery instead of addressing the reason why you ate to the point to you're at this particular weight that you're unhappy with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with addressing problems. We want to pop a pill or do certain things instead of addressing the root cause. And I mean, like now we're at a point to where now people are starting to become more aware. And people are starting to become more aware because people, and it's bad, but it's good at the same time. Because um, I always try to look for the silver lining in things. No matter how bad something is, I always try to look for the silver lining in things. But you see, you see athletes, people who millions upon millions upon me, millions hold in high regard, they're starting to say, yeah, my mental is messed up. And because my mental is messed up, I was having these thoughts. I was having these thoughts of taking my life. I was having these thoughts of just doing something that I can't take back. I can't rewind and undo. Mm-hmm. And so now because pe- those those people are saying saying these things, guess what? Now other people are saying, you know what? Because he said it, I experienced that too. So I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Him talking about it or her talking about it made it okay for me to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so now you start to see people, instead of avoiding their problems, or in my, like I was saying, in my case, where I'm just kind of riding the wave until I just eventually feel better, people are starting to say, I got to get off the wave yeah. and let me go sit down and talk to somebody. Let me address why I'm in the wave mm-hmm. instead of just writing it. And that's where we are now. Like I, I was watching the Joe Rogan experiences maybe about a year or so ago, maybe two years. And he had Dr. Phil on there. And so they were talking about people being addicted to pain medications. These are medications that your doctor is prescribing to you. Mm-hmm. So if you get your wisdom teeth cut out or you break, a, you break a bone or something of that nature, or you had like a, some sort of surgery, they normally prescribe you something that's controlled. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Phil was explaining, he was like, hey, 
most surgeries nowadays are not that invasive. Yeah. You know, you can't subsist off of maybe some ibuprofen or some Aleve or some Advil. You know, some of these medications can become habit forming. And so you have some people where they it started off innocuous and yeah, I was on this medication because I was in pain. Then your body starts to crave that medication. And that's become a problem now where people are starting to becoming addicted to the things that were meant to help them. And so for me, that's where I understand that medication helps, but medication is not the only thing, you know? So yes, medication is a very important step in the right, in the right direction, but also addressing the root cause of your issues Mm -hmm. is a huge plays a huge part in it as well. But that's like everything we said. It's medication is a tool, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a tool for the bigger picture, Holistic. right? So coping skills, a tool. Medication, mm-hmm. a tool. Therapy, a tool. Group therapy, a tool. Building strong supports, a tool. Communication is a tool to your holistic self. Mm-hmm. You are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. Them together. Together. <laughs> you you, you have are your optimum success. Hello. You like have you, to. you are the the package, and everything mm-hmm. else is what's in the package. Like it's like when you're making a cake. If I just add flour and vanilla and butter, I'm not gonna have a cake. I might have something else. I might have like you know some other things, but it's not gonna be a cake. If I throw some chocolate chips in there and I put some baking soda, I still might not have a cake. I might have some bomb ass uh, chocolate chip cookies. But it ain't gonna be a cake, okay? And it's we have to think of our lives the same way. We as a person, there are certain things we need to make us great. I had a client to write out a recipe of what makes her hurt. She's like, wait, what? I said, no, I need you to put everything in there that makes you who you are the at the mm-hmm. best part of you. And so I was like, you're gonna put one cup of self-confidence, two cups of uh, a pinch of sass. I said because those when you start to see yourself in that light. Did you say then, a pinch of sass? Uh, a pinch of yes. sass. You know I was gonna give it sass. You know I was gonna give it sass. Okay, it's like the salt. A pinch of sass. Right. You. It's like the salt that's just gonna make it. So kick that thing on. up or not? Hello, hello. Because you will be flat. I can't have no flat personalities. I tell my clients to keep oh it gosh. real. I'm gonna keep it real with you. Keep it real with me. Okay, don't be out here being happy yourself. Be your whole self, but be healthy. Mm-hmm. But when you have that, when people are able to think of themselves in ways that they're actually able to put their hands on, it's like a, if it's a guy and he's into cars, a car. Um, the person mm-hmm. who's involved with work, the employees, the managers, and the owner. Think of it how you need to, to think about it. I'm not just me because I'm me. Mm-hmm. There are things that make me me. And when those things are not present, when those things are broken or when one thing is off, I'm not me anymore. Yeah. I'm a version of myself, but I'm not me. And we want to teach people how to be them, be their healthiest self. And I use that all the time. It, it even drives me crazy. I'm like, I'm tired of saying you're healthiest self. But it's true. <laughs> Yourself needs to be your healthiest self. Yeah. Not your happiest self. Not your joyous self, not your most peaceful self, your healthiest self, because you're not always going to be happy. Mm-hmm. There will be times of contention where you're not at peace. And those times are okay. And those times are okay. You can be healthy, though. You can be healthy when everything else around you is falling apart. And you can have great perspective, healthy insight, great affect, right? 
awesome communication, mm-hmm. you can be healthy in that. Grieve from a healthy standpoint and recognize this is a grief pattern. This is not, I'm not depressed. I'm grieving. You can, We talked about this on our last episode, develop healthy emotional language, yeah. right? To be able to go from I'm sad to I am disappointed, right? Yes. Stop reaching for the low-hanging fruit. I be killing that feeling wheel. Listen. Pillow right behind me. I have a pillow, a big old rectangle pillow with the feelings wheel on, and I'll hold that thing. All right, pick a feeling because I feel some kind of way. Ain't a feeling. Come mm-hmm. on, pick a feeling. Okay. Identify a feeling so that we can appropriately process it. Yeah, yeah. And because by by you being able to appropriate appropriately process it, allows you to be able to appropriate appropriately communicate it to other people. Mm-hmm. Cause and that that's react to it appropriately. Yeah, yes. that that's the yeah. that's the main thing. Like there's dots, and you have to kind of connect the dots in order mm-hmm. to get through those things. Yeah, yeah. I remember being a little kid, and I uh, well, not a little kid. I guess in my teen, early adulthood years, and I had a mom. If you're going through something, I have a black mom, or so you can't be mad at her house without talking about why you're mad. Well, girl, why are you mad? But me personally, I'm a processor. Like I need to figure out why I'm mad or if I'm actually mad. And when I was able, I think through just the work that we do, learning how to communicate that, that was so empowering to me to be able to say, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, but when I do, I can tell you. Because mm-hmm. now when I'm able to tell you, I can I can communicate the help I might need. I can figure out, oh, you know what? That was just a me thing. I was just irritated. I was hungry. You know, I wasn't really bad. I just needed to eat something. My hormones was out of, you know, out of whack. It had nothing to do with you. I just had a bad day. Or you disappointed me. I think when we are able to put those actual words, like you're saying from the feelings wheel, we're able to put a pin on it and do that and not feel rushed to do that and actually process and give ourselves time to feel all of it. Now I'm able to correctly put the eyes and say, all right, well, yeah, if I was disappointed, now I'm able to have a dialogue with somebody about what I was disappointed. What were my expectations to begin with? Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking at my expectations yep. and were those healthy expectations or were those, you know, were they realistic? unrealistic? Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just opens up a world of, Fullness of life when you are able to give people the words to identify what what they're feeling. Because I tell people, your thoughts control your feelings and your mm-hmm. feelings control your behaviors. So when I'm able to do all of those things together, child, you're not going to need me no more. And that's, that's all right. Yeah, that's okay. That's A-okay. Refer me to your friend. Yep. Because... <laughs> Because again, our our jobs our jobs are not to domesticate you. Yeah. You know, my goal is for you to be the best version of yourself, regardless if that's with without me. Without me. Yep. You know, my goal is to get you. You know. You know, be the training wheels on the bicycle and let you kind of roll up. You know, slowly the training wheels come off and you're able to ride all by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, for you to take the lessons that we that we've learned and for you to um, begin to start to apply them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and there have been times where, where clients will even write down stuff that I say. Oh, 
and then you know, then they be like, I don't. They be taking notes. Yeah, flipping through that notebook. I love you. Three sessions ago, you said. I love it. I love it. They 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 do, and then they'll be they'll they'll go back and say, you know what? I remember you said this on this day, and I started to get mad, and I remember what would RJ say? Oh, right, right, right. I heard you and your voice, your voice in my head said, be like, my voice better be in your head, all right? I like it, I'm down with it. What would RJ say in, in this moment? And so I, I, rem I remember you had said not to do this. And so mm -hmm. yep. I heard you, I heard you in my head telling me not to do it. So I didn't do it. And things worked out okay. Right, right, right. And they'd be so excited to come and tell you too. Yeah. You'd be so proud of me. This happened and I heard you in my head and I like, and I didn't do it. And it, right. it's a proud moment, I think, for both of us because mm -hmm. then that mm -hmm. shows me, one, you're listening. You're yeah. paying attention. Uh -huh. yeah. You have digested the information and you have appropriately yep. applied it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're doing and that's so fun. I'm holding you accountable now because I know you got it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. We not slipping back, so yeah. don't come. Not, don't come two weeks from now talking about how you went off on nobody. Cause we're not now. I know that. you know how to apply these coping skills. Exactly. Right. And so and I that, have, I have these flags. I use these in therapy because I'm virtual and I, I can't just call people out in public, in private, like in person. So my red flag, like on Instagram, I don't know if y'all remember, they have that thing going on. It's like. They were putting red flags on everything. So I made a red flag and then a white flag is for a question. So if something has happened with my clients and we've worked on something, I was like, you know, I'm about to give you a red flag. They're like, oh, I already knew it was coming. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like, you knew it was coming. You knew. And so they're like, you need to send me the red flags. My family cutting up. I need some flags. I need some flags. And so but that's one of the cool things we're able to dialogue and talk about where it's a buzzword when they are going through things in life. They're like, yo, I had so many red flag moments and I just knew he was going to throw it, but I have to get it off my chest. This is how I handle it. I know it wasn't the best way to handle it. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm hearing it out loud, I could have did it better. Mm -hmm. And so I said, all right, I'm going to give you the flag, but let's talk about, let me give you the white flag to say, how would you have handled it? Let me ask the question. How would you have handled it if you could have had the rewind button? And so it just, it's, I love being able to empower people to be their best. Mm. Like, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to be mm -hmm. on your deck, but I'm going to celebrate you, like, along the way. Yeah. I want you to win. You winning helps me feel like I'm winning. Because mm. it's working. Like Sherry said, I know you're processing that. I know that it's sunk in. I know you've taken, you've taken ownership of it now. These are not just treatment plan goals that I've written down arbitrarily saying, oh, okay, these are things we can work on sometime in your life. No, you've taken ownership. These are my treatment. This is my treatment plan. These are the things that I want to accomplish. This is how I want to see myself grow. And when they've taken ownership of that thing, it becomes beautiful. And mm -hmm. like, like I said, I'd like to, I used to tell people all the time in substance abuse, from the day you come in here, I'm working on your discharge. Facts. And they say, oh, and why you had to say it like that? I said, because when you discharge, that means I did my job. Yep. You no you longer need me. successfully discharged from me, I know you can handle it by yourself. Yep. No, you're going to be my therapist forever. I said, no, that means I failed yep. as your therapist. My goal is for you to be independent, for me to know you can handle it. Now, if you have another problem, sure, I'm here. But for this one, no, we're going to finish this one. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go and you're going to be successful. 
I, I definitely agree with you in that. I definitely, for sure, for sure, agree with you in that. Um, we're going to put a put a pin in 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 this conversation right here. I am definitely super thankful for you joining us this evening, Miss Sheree. Yeah, I'm definitely super, super, you know, super thankful for it because again, like I said, for me, me individually as a person. I would not nearly be as great as I am today if it wasn't for you. Oh, stop. <laughs> because you have definitely, you have on more than one occasion kept me from, from doing stuff I knew I should have been doing. So, again, <laughs> again. Can um, I leave the I, people with one thought? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. And something to consider. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't know what resources are out there also because they don't look. Mm, so true. they automatically assume that therapy is going to be too expensive so they don't look. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that there are a lot of private practitioners who offer sliding scales. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is you have to ask and tell people what your circumstances are. More mm-hmm. times than not, they are going to be willing to work with you, but you have to open your mouth. Yep. Mm-hmm. In in looking at resources, the first step is looking. Because mm-hmm. you can't find anything that you're not looking for. Mm-hmm. That's good. And you have to be be willing be willing and open to receive what you what you actually find. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I definitely like that. I I wholeheartedly yeah. agree with that. I'm gonna use that too. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna write that down. You're only gonna get down. as help as you're willing to look, honey. Yep. So I want to thank you guys for for checking us out. If this is your first time here, I want want you, I want to encourage you to like, subscribe. Um, we are on YouTube at Try Not to Overthink It, as well as Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Apple Podcast. And so. Uh, This is Try Not to Overthink It. We're going to sign out until the next episode. Later. Peace.